Welcome to episode 119 of Shannon on Batman. Today, me and Justin would like to welcome our special guest, Paul Shirey, editor-in-chief of JoeBlow.com, to the show. So first, we want to thank you for joining the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time out of your evening, your very busy evening. So thank you for joining us on Shannon on Batman. Um, so first question, since you are a first-time guest, what is your first interaction with the character of Batman? Was it the 66 series? Was it the 89 film? Was it the animated series? Let's jump into that. Uh, it's followed a lineage that began with the 66 series when I was very young, when I was a kid. Um, I would see it I, and I would watch it. I was, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, it was fun as a kid. Uh, but I wouldn't say uh, the Batman passion really came about until just prior to the 89 film coming out. I mean, the hype level even then was through the roof. And there was no internet. There was no anything. It was all like, there's this movie coming out. You know, holy shit. Like, it's going to be amazing. It's uh, Batman. It's Tim Burton. We were all excited. But at that point, I don't even think I'd seen a trailer. I'd just seen like random images here and there, like even like in the newspaper or a magazine. Um, and anyways, that fueled me to start buying the comics before the movie had even come out. And I remember seeing in a newspaper article uh, when I lived in Florida, pr just prior to the movie coming out, there was an article about how uh, comics were violent or too violent or something. And on the cover of that newspaper was Todd McFarlane's cover for Detective Comics 676, which is Batman holding the gun, pointing it forward. And it's just a super badass cover. I mean, I, I just I loved that cover. I was like, that is just awesome. Like, I have to find this comic. And again, there was no internet. I couldn't just go on eBay and buy the damn thing. Like I had to like <laughs> track that book down. I had to find a comic shop, buy the comic. Uh, and it was a game changer. You know, I've just, from that point on, uh, I, I just deep dove into the comics. I went all through uh, Batman year two and then I just started backtracking and then back going forward and then buying the monthlies. And, you know, I was buying the, the, the Bray Fogle and Aparo runs off the shelf. Uh, those were, that's just such a, awesome era of batman uh and then since then i've just i've always followed batman it's actually one of the few consistent comics that i've read and i've been reading comics for three decades and that's one of the few that i've just always stuck with always was there a comic shop when you were a kid and growing up was there a comic shop that when you walked in the door they just knew he's coming in for batman did you have that relationship with your comic shop or was it more uh, like not with batman I wouldn't say with Batman. It was just like, oh, here's that nerd here to get his books. <laughs> I had a pull list for a while. And then, you know, I, I stopped doing pull lists. I know people say, oh, well, you know, if you just get a pull list. But the problem is like comic shops, they really screw you on that because you go in to get your books. Right. And like, say, I, I just want Batman. I, I write down on my pull list, Batman. But then they term that as every Batman special, every Batman annual, every de detective comics, Batman and the Outsiders, anything with Batman. And then they're like, oh, you have to buy all the books in your pull list before you can buy anything else off the rack. I'm like, that's bogus, man. I didn't even ask for all these books. I asked for Batman, one title. So, 
So I always found they kind of screw you on that. So that is what like has soured me off of Polis. And now that I just like walk, I like looking, I like to peruse. That's part of the experience of going to the comic shop is perusing is looking, you know, like it's like the old blockbuster days of walking around and looking at all the video covers. And now, you know, you could actually still do that at a comic shop, which is a beautiful thing. So with the 89 film, what was experiencing that like and the Batmania that surrounded that film with, for you? So seeing that movie for the first time, seeing it in the theater, seeing the crazy people chiseling it in their, in their heads and their haircuts, what was that experience like for you? It was, it was amazing. So I lived in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida, which is in West Palm County at the time. And uh, that Batman is the first – 89 Batman is the first movie that I can genuinely remember – the hype like the excitement in the air of like people going to the theater to see this film and again this is i, I can't help but know, to know but it's before the internet which is you know is like the the mega hype machine now almost you know in a negative way but everybody was excited adults kids everyone was like so stoked to see this movie and i remember walking in to i think we went to an afternoon show and my best friend was coming out of the screening and i was going in and i only had one like thing, one caveat, one thing that I just I had to make sure happened was I wanted Batman to punch Joker. I just wanted to see that in the movie. My buddy was coming out and he had this look on his face, this dopey, stupid look, like eyes wide, just like who like he just saw somebody crash on a skateboard or something, you know, like <laughs> that look you get on your face. And I was like, I see him and he sees me, and I just first thing, does Batman punch Joker? Does Batman punch Joker? And he's just like, he's like nodding his head up and down, like with that dopey look, doesn't even say a word. He's like that, you know, freaked out about what he just saw. And then I just remember sitting in the theater, even before it started, and I was with my my stepdad and my brother. And he, I remember even my stepdad saying, who's like not a movie person, and he was just kind of like, oh, he's like, I can't believe how, how everybody's excited for this movie. Like, I can't wait for it to start. Uh, and then I'll never forget, man, that, that opening credits with Elfman's score, which I hadn't heard prior you know, it was like the first time hearing it. And you're just like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it just from there, it was 89 Batman. Anybody that's seen the film, I watch it at least once a year at a minimum, at a minimum. So it, it's a constant. It was an amazing experience. It was definitely a, an initial hype that uh, I, I don't think has ever been matched since, really. It's come close, but I, I don't think it's been matched. So uh, two years ago, I finally got to see that film on the big screen. And it's a completely different experience from just viewing it on VHS or DVD oh, or Blu-ray. Sure. It's for so sure. much faster than mm -hmm. I remember it. I remember going to the theater for the first time to see it two years ago. It was like something I finally was able to check off that bucket list. Finally saw Batman 89 on the big screen. And it was so much faster. I was like, wow, the pace, the pacing of this film doesn't feel as off, you know, watching it on the big screen. So I just like it just reinvented invigorated my love for it because we have the Dark Knight with the animated series. So now yeah. going back to see that and hearing that score and hearing it on those big, you know, stereo speakers and seeing it on the big screen and get eating your popcorn. It was like taking me back to like a kid, but I was, you know, a full grown adult. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. And you know, there's so much to be, to be said too. Cause I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head watching it on a small, screen really does not do 89 batman justice you know i remember seeing michael keaton open his wings for the first time you know and i mean people in the audience were like whoa my god it's batman 
you know, we, we've not seen Batman like that ever, you know, like up to this point, you know, people are spoiled with Batman, but that was like it. You're like, whoa, that's him. Like that's Batman, you know, and you're finally seeing it and you see that, you know, that Burton and everybody, they really took the pains to make this cool. And everybody was kind of like, you know, on edge, like, is this going to be a cheesy pile of crap or is this going to be cool? And it was awesome. So it, it was exceeded it, it, that. seeing on the big screen is another story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I see me personally, I don't, I don't find 89 Batman slow at all, but again, I have that nostalgic factor. So, you know, I, I've always loved it. I know some people have, have, you know, gone back. So, oh, it's not as good as you remember. I'm like, well, actually it is. It's, it, it's, it's really good. I, the only scene that I really have issues with, and we've talked about it a lot of times is that scene with Bruce and, you know, the, I want to get nuts scene that, that to me just, I don't know what it is about that scene is for, it just, it doesn't take me out of the film. I was like, "Is there was there any way that we could cut this scene a little bit shorter? <laughs> have, a, have a line just drop out? Like, yeah, it's that an, whole it's thing an odd go. scene, but but other than that, like the emotions still there. The score works. The Batmobile, the gadgets. You know, Keaton was really working his ass off. His Bruce yeah. Wayne. I, I wish there was more of that Bruce, like the Bruce Wayne that we got in the like Batman Begins: The Dark Knight. But his Bruce Wayne was serviceable, but his Batman was so on point. The cowl, the yeah. Anton Fur stuff, it just, like, I might have to watch it tonight talking about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, getting... it'll, I, I'm, it'll probably happen. Like, you, put it, you guys are going to put a bunch of Batman shit in my head, and it's going to be unavoidable. I think I was talking about BVS with somebody the other day. Maybe it was on Twitter. I don't know. And I was like, shit, I need to watch this again. <laughs> I was kind of on a, on a bit of a Snyder kick because we just watched – I watched Watchmen with my son. Mm. We watched the ultimate cut. Oh, and was yes. Like, man, like, I want to go back and watch BVS, which you know is one of those films that's that I find to be uh, immensely revisitable, which is not a word, but I just created it. But uh, I, I just – think like going back i don't think it's a brilliant film i think it's a film that is it's something else entirely it's almost an anomaly and it's something that just kind of beckons you to go back and rewatch. whereas 89 batman is something i can rewatch and just enjoy i know what i'm getting into i'm not trying to uncover anything it's just kind of i'm going back to re-experience whereas batman versus superman feels like a mystery so i'm always trying to unravel it's a it's definitely a mystery but you mentioned watchmen and zach's that to me that is maybe the most underrated comic book film of all time. It works on so many levels. The ultimate cut is amazing. Even with that cartoon in it. I mean, it's like almost four hours long, but it doesn't feel like it. It's a, it's amazing balls. No, it played, it, it played well uh, watching. I did take me three nights to watch it, but I mean, even then it was like, by the time it was over, I was completely satisfied. You know, I was, I was satiated with what I saw. Um, but the bottom line is like Watchmen really truly was well ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Not that because it's like such a masterpiece, which I, I do think it is, but because audiences were not ready for that. You know, the, the genre had just kicked off. People were still accepting superheroes. So it was way too early to do, uh, you know, a dissection of them, you know, and to do a story like that. People just they weren't ready. They just wanted to enjoy superheroes, not kind of, you know, in a dark light and see them deconstructed. They weren't, they weren't prepared for that. So, but I, I think either way, I'm glad it was made. I think it's, you're never going to get a better adaptation than that. I, I mean, it would be stupid to try. Like it would just be so fruitless and such a waste of money, uh, which I think is, you know, what's, what's great about what they're doing with the HBO series is, you know, doing like an alternate universe timeline, whatever you want to call it. 
version of that. I think that's very smart. But yeah, it's a great, it's it's an amazing film. I love it. Oh yeah. So before before we get into like the Dark Knight animated series, I know that you just shared the Joe Blow on on your Twitter with Joe Blow the oh yeah the yeah. the re it was like an up like a it wasn't like a four K. Yeah, it's the, the Blu-ray remasters. I got uh, they they sent me an email for the uh, for the Blu-ray release that's getting ready to come out, and it had that attached to it, and so I sent it to the guy. So yeah, does that? Is... So the, the, where? How does that? Were you a fan of the animated series when it came back when it came out in '92? Did you? Oh yeah, I watched it. I watched it after school, either eighth or ninth grade, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, I was coming home from school and watching Batman the Animated Series. And- we loved it. Like we would, me and my brothers, we would just crowd around and we'd sit and watch the anim- the Batman the animated series. And we had favorites. We had episodes that would rerun. We're just like, oh man, my favorite was always the uh, the Robin episode with the ninja. Can't remember the name of the episode now, but I mean that was one of my favorites. I loved it. Um, but there's so many great episodes and they're just so well done. There's just it's it's gorgeous. It, to me, I think it's uh, the best animated series of all time, next to Samurai Jack. But I'm biased to that. <laughs> um, it's just great it's, it's awesome I love it did you ever really get into any of the other DC animated TV shows I mean I know we here over here that Batman are a big fan of uh, Batman Batman Forever not Batman Forever uh, why am I blanking the Beyond? name but you, Batman Beyond I don't know why I couldn't think of the name at the second like Batman Beyond there's also Superman oh, yeah. and all yeah, that yeah. Uh, yeah I watched all of them I watched Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Batman Beyond, Superman. Uh, I think I have a lot of those on disc still, too. So, yeah, I was a huge fan of all of those. I just love that style, the art style. Um, like, the action in those shows, like, even down to Batman the Animated Series, to me, it's just really badass. Like, it's quick, it's sharp, it's cool, and it's powerful. It's like it feels like a superhero. Uh, they just they do such a great job of those. Um, and again, they're, they're shows you can pop in any time. Uh, Batman the Animated Series is on uh, Amazon Prime right now. And I was the other day, like just last week, I turned it on and just, just let it play. I think I went through like 12 episodes. I was just letting it kind of play in the background. And I would stop and watch. It's like you can just you can pick up any time and watch those again. It's, it's wonderful. It's awesome. Would you would you prefer at some point a Batman Beyond live action film? Mm. I mean, come on. I mean, I'd go see it. Uh, I think the trick in doing that is selling it to a broader audience. And I think that's where WB would, uh, you know, pause for a minute because one of the things that you got to keep in mind is that they're always thinking about, you know, how to pull in as many people as possible and you don't want to confuse people. That's kind of and that becomes problematic when you do that because then people are like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to deal with that because I don't even know what it is. It's just some other thing, and you know, people can be turned off. However, if it looks really cool, it really doesn't matter. People will come out. You know, if it, if you got a great trailer and you got you know good word of mouth, people are going to show up. Um, so I think that it can be done, um, but I think it's a very delicate thing, and I think you'd have to find the right. You have to find the right filmmaker. It goes the same with anything. I hate when people say that because it's no shit. Of course, <laughs> you have to find the right filmmaker. But uh, in doing so, you know, it's got to be someone that can bring it to life in a way that doesn't feel generic, that also pays homage to the series, and that also makes something new too. That's gonna, you know, really capitalize on that environment. It's the future, um, and all that other stuff. And I think that that would be 
that would be tricky. But man, if they could do it, uh, and if they and they you know invested in it and found the right, right people, it could be really really cool. So I'd be all for it. Um, and it, who knows? You know, maybe if this Joker film does well, then you know they'll start to entertain more of these kind of out of canon stories, which I think would be fine. Why not? You could do a whole Batman Beyond trilogy or just do a whole other subset of films in the Batman Beyond universe that don't have to touch the DCU, or they can. But if you do that, if you make them touch the DCU, then you start to, you got to restrict yourself. It's like, well, this happened in that movie. And then you have a whole slew of movies that aren't even made yet. And you're like, well, are we going to have these future movies adhere to what's happened in Batman Beyond? Or is the time frame so far that we don't have to worry about it? You know, it's just it's it's a bag of worms. I feel like the best way to go about a Batman Beyond live action film would be to cast Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> just saying, if WB ever listens I mean, to me on anything, there's really no reason that couldn't happen. I know I, some people have said that uh, I've heard it kind of running around, like to do a uh, a Dark Knight Returns movie with Keaton as Batman. I think that would be cool. It's not going to happen. Um, I feel like Zack Snyder did the roundabout Dark Knight Returns with uh, BVS because that's essentially what he was trying to do is some mm-hmm. you know version of that. Uh, uh, but he should have just should have just gone all in. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. he did such a great job with Watchmen. If you want to adapt a story, should have just done uh, the Dark Knight Returns. But I'm, I don't know that WB would have bankrolled that. They might be more apt to do it now, uh, given that they're taking on these different stories. But I just don't see that happening. Uh, it's cool. It's a great idea. I think it's it would be awesome to see Keaton return to Batman in some form. And it's one of those kind of fanboy dreamcast things. But I do think it's one that could realistically happen. He's older, but he's still got it. That's the that's the that's the main thing. Keaton, mm-hmm. sure, but he's got it. He could do Batman, and and you know he still owns that. He's always like. You know, he's been quoted as saying that in, in numerous places where, you know, he's just still, you know, I, I'm Batman. There is no other Batman. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, so let's so have you. Re- when was the last time you revisited Batman Forever? Because that film, the Red Book edition, especially, I don't know if you've ever seen that version of it where they have the added scenes with the Red Book. That film is actually now say what you will about the the sequel to Batman Forever, but that Batman Forever first, you know, seeing that for the first time and that that was like I, that was, was that the first Batman film that I seen in the theaters, or was it Be- Begins? I can't recall, but I remember, you know, just seeing that I was like, oh man, like it wasn't as dark, it wasn't as brooding, it didn't. It was more colorful. But now that I'm a little bit older, I have a little bit more appreciation for what Schumacher was trying to do. Like, he really got the character, you know, of the Graysons. He got, he was able, he put more, uh, he put more interest into Bruce Wayne and his court sort of dealings, even though, you know, he's breaking down doors to, you know, save Chase Meridian from boxing. I don't know what. <laughs> that scene is about but you know what i'm saying have you revisited forever and i did i revisited uh probably about six months ago um i didn't have the same experience you did um 
<laughs> now, when I saw it in the theater, I will say this: I loved it. I walked out of the theater loving Batman Forever. I was su- I, I'm a, I was always a big Robin fan, still am to this day. Um, I was I was right there in the midst of Tim Drake uh, becoming Robin and everything, and I was just I was in love with those stories. I I, I loved it, and I loved the new costume and everything. Uh, and I never thought that I would uh, you know go beyond that, but now I love Damian Wayne more than any of the Robins. He's my favorite. <laughs> I absolutely love that kid. He is he's awesome. He's like the perfect bat child and Robin. So I, I love him. Um, but uh, that said, so I you know I was skewed there for Batman Forever, just seeing Robin in costume, and I was like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. Um, but revisiting it, I did not have as much fun. <laughs> uh, it really felt. This is what I feel about Forever and Batman and Robin. Although I think for, I think Forever is a better film. I think Batman and Robin is the more fun train wreck to watch. Just because it's so awful that it's like <laughs> essentially what those two films are, are updated live action versions of the 60s TV series. Mm-hmm. That's how I view them. And I think that Schumacher was trying to capture some of that. And that was part of his intent. Um, and I think his he meant well, but there were just too many deviations for me from like, you know, just having read the comics and kind of being a part of, you know, uh, his his actual page origins more than his uh screen origins i just oh man looking back like some of the stuff the bat nipples and you know like just so much hammy dialogue like chase meridian's just she's terrible i love nicole kidman but uh that character is just kind of worthless to me and then it only gets worse in uh batman and robin uh i think it's what el mcpherson uh one a supermodel i think it's el Somebody is—it's a supermodel, and she just—it's like, like, L. They're like—they're not even trying anymore. They're literally like, "Well, we just—we got this hot chick that's gonna be like Batman's thing," but it's like it just was a downward spiral from there. Uh, but that said, Batman Forever is an entertaining film. I thought Jim Carrey was a lot of fun as the as a Joker. I thought Tommy Lee Jones was way off the handle as Two Face. Like you compare him to Aaron Eckert, and it's <laughs> like, whoa, those are two very different extremes right there. Uh, I don't think there's any question of which one's the more realistic. Uh, I don't care if uh, one has a flashback video of Two-Face getting splashed with acid, which is, you know, which comes from the comics. Uh, and the other one is a little more of a creative version. But yeah, I definitely prefer the Eckert version. Um, but uh, yeah, Forever, yeah, it just didn't, uh, it doesn't vibe with me. And I, I haven't seen a Red Book version that I'm aware of. What is that? What is what is that version? I'm not so, really familiar with that. So the Red Book, it's it's called the Red Book edition. It gets passed around. Like you might be able to pick it up at like your local comic book. They might have it. So basically, it puts it adds those Red Book because he Bruce references with Chase throughout the movie that Red Book, and it actually right. puts more emphasis on that, and it's edited in. Like it feels like I don't I don't know how it like came to be. I don't know if like a fan put it together or like the studio kind of was like, like are aware that it's kind of like out in the ether, but it puts in those moments of the red book where he's talking about, you know, you know, the death of his parents. And it takes those scenes take away from the campiness of Tommy Lee Jones and the other campiness. It actually makes the film. I, I believe Kyle, you've seen it. Would you agree that it takes the it it adds it adds more psychological oops? Yeah, to- yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's it's been a little while since I've seen the Red Book edition, but I, it definitely like elevates the overall experience a bit in my in my mind. It, like it feels like a more 
complete movie in a way like this this is a more of a more of a vision that they had going on from the beginning mm. that's interesting I, I i honestly this is the first time i've heard of the red book version so i have to look for that because that's news <laughs> that's it, it, news it, to me i haven't heard that one yeah it's like i said it's kind of like like an underground like like thing where like i had to have it like mailed to me from somewhere i can't say where but it was I, had to, I had to meet somebody behind a grocery store told them no cops put it in a brown <laughs> bag that's not far off <laughs> <laughs> and it had to be like secretly mailed back and then for some reason like i mailed it to this person and for some reason i'm not kidding the person goes you never mailed it back. You sent me like this other, this other, because I sent him comics too. He's like, "Where's the, where's the, where's the RBE edition?" Because that's the Red Book edition. I was like, "I mailed it with you. I don't have it." He goes, "Well, that's really strange." I said, "I this whole thing's been strange." So it just adds to the strangeness of the situation. It's, it's somewhere. Somebody has some, it. Some postman has it. He saw that and he's like, "Whoa." The Red Book version? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to commit a federal crime here for Batman <laughs> Forever Special Edition. <laughs> yeah, so um, so let's jump to 2005, 2008, and 2012. We have Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Batman Begins, to, I always argue and debate in my head, like, which film is better? Is it Batman Begins or is it The Dark Knight? Yes, the the Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight is so amazing. However, I love Batman. Like, and Batman Begins, he's like Batman for like the last hour of the film. And I've always wanted to see like my hope for whatever this Matt Reeves version of the Batman is. He's Batman for a majority of this film. So let's yeah. talk about some Batman Begins, some Dark Knight. What are your feelings towards that before we jump into like the Joker and the DCU and all that stuff? Uh, well, I mean, I, 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 let's see. I love Batman Begins. I love The Dark Knight. I like The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Begins and, and Dark Knight both have uh, a lot of strength to them. I will say I like Dark Knight probably the best out of Nolan's, uh, Nolan's trilogy. Um, and the reason being is because I feel like the, the Dark Knight is the most refined version of the character and the most refined vision for Nolan because he did Batman Begins uh, and he put it together and, and he did what he wanted to do. But there was no like there was no trilogy at that time. There was no like Nolan was not operating under, oh, I'm going to do three of these. So, you know, let me plant a bunch of seeds and, and make this happen. I, I think he did Batman Begins with like, hey, you know, if, if it's good, we'll do more. But. We're not building a universe here. This was before the DCEU days. So, you know, it was a whole different uh, approach than what you do for superhero movies now, uh, which is like you make one. It's like, well, all right, sign contracts for, you know, eight movies and, you know, 12 spinoffs and everything else. Um, so I think really begins as kind of a unique entry in the Batman genre because it was made just to be you know, won a film to see if it could perform, to see if they could revive the Batman franchise after the atrocity that was Batman and Robin. Um, and, and you know, thankfully it worked and Nolan did it. And then he was like, okay, you know how he is. He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not doing any sequels. And it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. They got him <laughs> back for Dark Knight. 
and this is a, it was an opportunity, you know, to like, okay, I established my Batman. Now I can do something with my Batman. Um, and I think it was just a really great, I think just, it's one of those rare films where all the pieces come together. Uh, I loved Bruce, Bruce Wayne's journey. I love that we see him being a detective. I love that we see him because that's what he is. Um, and we get to see him conflicted, you know, with this whole, with the whole Joker debacle. And it's a great confliction because it's derived directly from the comics. Like what makes these two, you know, great, you know, nemesis to, to one another. And also, um, you know, what is it that, that compromises Bruce Wayne as Batman uh, in order to take on this, this villain that he just can't, it's not a simple guy. He can just punch in the face and be done with it. You know, this isn't a guy you just hit and take to the police station and, Oh, oh my job's done today, you know, or drop him off, leave him, leave him tied up outside Arkham Asylum. You know, it doesn't work that way with the Joker. And I feel like they just, uh, even more so than Batman 89, where they directly tied his origin to Batman, uh, I feel like it was just a great exploration of, you know, the dynamic between those two and then basically what makes them tick and what makes them who they are. And I feel like that's just a great exploration of the Dark Knight. Whereas Batman Begins, I think, is it's a probably the it's the most comprehensive Batman origin film. So that I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to see another Batman origin. Like, I don't need to see a year one movie. Please don't ever make a year one movie, not for like a good long while. Like we just don't, we don't need it. Um, and then dark Knight rises. Uh, I like less. I think it's, I'll tell you what bothers me about dark Knight rises is the fact that it basically erases any kind of history that Batman has post dark Knight, because it basically says at the end of dark Knight, he wrote off, and quit (laughs) and he wasn't batman ever again and i'm just kind of like whoa wait wait a minute wait a minute so there was no rogues gallery there was no like there's no history here there's no continuation of the legend it basically ended at the end of dark knight and then he's all of a sudden he's basically into kind of a semi dark knight returns phase where he's like crippled and old and he's not even that crippled or that old um so they just kind of tap dance around that and then they bring in bane and they do you know they just kind of cherry pick some stuff from the comics and toss it together i like the catwoman dynamic although i don't feel like that was ever explored in a way that i was like oh my god and hathaway is just the most amazing catwoman ever she did a good job um but when i think of catwoman i think of michelle pfeiffer i don't i don't really equate Mm -hmm. it to to anne hathaway um and I love the ending to Dark Knight Rises, but it's an ending that I think fits a Nolan trilogy and wraps it up with a bow more so. Like a lot of people are like, oh, my God, they need to continue the DCU and have, you know, Blake as Batman. I'm like, man, just sh- no, stop. Just let that trilogy be itself. Let it exist in its own universe and be its own thing. We don't need Christian Bale back as Batman. He did a great job. I guarantee you he has no desire to come back and get in that kind of shape and do Batman again. Um Unless he wanted to play, you know, aging Batman and Batman Beyond movie, that might be kind of cool. If they couldn't get Keaton, I would, I'd be down for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes Dark Knight begins and rises for me, and I think they all have uh, great, tremendous strengths. You know, some better than others. Obviously, Heath Ledger's performance is astounding. I do, I do, I do feel like he is the best Joker we've seen thus far. I love Nicholson's Joker. 
Um, but I love the the commitment from Ledger, which, you know, sadly, I don't know if it's directly attributed or not, like whatever, whatever it was that led him to OD, but, you know, it was, it was a tragedy, but man, what a hell of a, a performance to go out on. He left a hell of a legacy just with that role alone. So that's my, that's my Nolan, my Nolan feelings. <laughs> the Nolan feelings. A lot of people have feels. really strong and have good feelings about the build up to these movies originally, like when the marketing first started kicking in and just like all the mystery and like all the hype that people were having. Uh, can you recall back to those days? Like, do you remember being in there in the thick of it for all the viral marketing? And do you think they could ever do something like that ever again for future DC movies? Um, hmm. I mean, I just, I was, I was hyped for all those films. I just remember the trailers were really cool. Um, it didn't feel, I didn't feel the same. Uh, I don't think I felt, I never. I mean, anyways, in terms of theater, but um, like Dark Knight, I was buzzed. Actually, it was funny. I was telling my girlfriend a story today about when I went to see the Dark Knight, which was, I just keep showing my age. But I bought the tickets. I had to drive. I drove to the theater because it was before you, you know, people were buying tickets online, you know, and just having the tickets on your phone. And I bought the tickets, and I had, I bought them like a month in advance, man, because I was like, dude, I'm not gonna miss Dark Knight opening night, like for nothing. So um, I was leaving uh, to go to the theater, and I didn't want to carry my wallet around. It was really bulky. I had like this wallet that had like a thousand cards that I never use. And I was like, oh, I, just, I, I got it's just one time out of all the times. I'm like, I just I want to enjoy this experience. I'm gonna leave my big brick of a wallet here. <laughs> and we drove to the theater, and I got to the theater, which is about I say 25 minute drive. I got to the theater and walked up, and I was like, oh shit! And I'm tapping my pocket. I'm like, oh man, I left the tickets in my wallet. And I pulled out my card, uh, my my debit card, and my license because I was like, I'm good. That's all I need. But I just totally forgot that I needed the damn tickets and it was pouring rain. I jumped in the car and sped all the way home. I had a friend of mine that was already in the theater. I was like, dude, just hold some seats. And I sped home, sped. I thought it was like going like 90 in the rain, drove back, finally got back. And it's like, pissed me off to no end because it's like literally two pieces of paper that I had to like drive home for to come back and get into the theater. And I was just like, so far, this is like an hour and a half endeavor, you know, and then to make the time. And it was a good thing I got, because that was back then when they didn't have assigned seating or anything. So it's like, you got to get to the theater like two, three hours early so you can get decent seats. And finally I made it in. I sat down just as we're like heading into the city, uh, city scene right at the beginning. So like the timing, like was, Ooh, and I remember getting in there, every seat was packed. I mean, every seat was taken. And my buddy's like standing there like, he's like, thank God you guys are here. Because I was holding <laughs> two seats and who knows. So we're like, hey. So, um, yeah, that's my little uh, my little dark night story that I think about. And I just cringe, man. Because I buy all my tickets like on Fandango before I even go. I just show up my phone. I choose my seats. Like it's a whole other ball of wax now. And it's amazing how much things change and just such like what feels to me like such a short time uh, time span um <laughs> i just, just so happy <laughs> i know it's crazy man like it's just nuts but I, trust me i appreciate the hell out of that just like being able to buy my tickets and choose my seats like i don't those days of like sitting outside and like waiting for a movie to start like for two hours 
are over and I couldn't be more thankful. So I got to the theater. So I went to the midnight show. And so I got to the theater at like seven. So I left my place at like six o'clock because it takes like 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes to get to the theater. Got there. Man. So I was like, man, I'm going to be the first one. Nope. I was number two in line. I was like, no, I want to be the first one. And, and like, I, like, I was like, man, this just ruins this whole experience. I want to be number I wanted to be number one, but it, it really did. It was a fun time. I was dressed in the Joker and everything. I don't think you can really get away with doing that stuff anymore with, you know, how crazy the world is. But that's a whole different topic for a whole different yeah. day. So, uh, yeah. so let's talk some DCU stuff. No, we, do we, it. Ha so we have like this like weird cloud over the Batfleck situation. I don't know if you want to really hash I'm sure you've talked about that ad nauseum. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But I will say this. Somebody just makes needs to make a decision. Divo make Just divorce already. Just make it happen. <laughs> well, I think everything hinges on just when Reeves is ready to, to start getting into pre-production and, and really start casting, which I think is going to happen sooner than later. I mean, he is – you know, has said uh, that he's working on the script. He was just at TCA and said, hey, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm – Leaving here and going back to working on the script. Um, so, you know, it is Reeves' uh, next project, or so it seems. That's what he's writing. Um, and I think that once he gets his script, that once a script is complete, approved, ready to go, that's when they can nail that down. So I think sooner than later, uh, they're going to come to some kind of, you know, decision, whatever that may be. I, I really I really don't know. I will say this, though. Um, the tap dance around uh both going back and forth uh i think it paints a more negative light overall and if anything what we've seen is that studios uh aren't always that uh, loyal <laughs> if you look at uh you know james gunn situation and whatnot it's like it's anybody is replaceable um anybody and i mean anybody uh and i think that in the affleck situation like this is a guy that he's He's a talented guy. Um, he did – I think he's done a, a really nice job as Batman. I'm not going to say he's the best Batman ever. I don't think that he is. I think that he did a really nice job and he had a great start. But I think he got kind of um, – he got kind of cheated out of really being a full Batman. I still firmly believe they should have made Batman solo film before they made BVS uh, to establish Batman. They had already done Man of Steel. So you could do Man of Steel, do a Batman – then do BBS. This way you have both characters established and Batman vs. Superman doesn't have to be three hours to make sense. So I think that would have made a, uh, made things a lot easier and I think they would have given more legs for Affleck to stand on in terms of are they going to – is is he worth fighting for on WB's side? Um, and does Affleck really want it? I mean this is – he did in fact just check in the rehab. I really don't like to get into to celebrities' personal lives. Um, but – you have to take that into account. You know, if you're if you're betting on sports, uh, you know, there's a reason people look at injury reports. If it's if it's to wager or whatever the case may be, uh, it's it's to know what's going to happen. And I think in this instance, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that people that have those types of issues can't have a professional career. They absolutely can. Um, but it does inhibit his image overall. And I think to the public that can matter. I don't think that it should but I think that it will, and I think WB will look at that and they'll say, well, 
he he's in and out of rehab. He, he's he, he's having trouble getting his life together. Uh, he's not quite at Robert Downey Jr. status where he's gone beyond that. He's not quite the <laughs> he's not quite the disaster that RDJ was back in the day either. So that's good. Um, but he's got issues. He's got stuff that he's got to overcome and um, scheduling wise. I don't know if it's going to happen for him. And also, I don't know that Reeves wants him. Reeves may not want Affleck at all. And I don't think that he's ever he's never emphatically said, yes, I want Ben Affleck for the Batman. That's never been said. So there's no there's no word from Reeves that uh, Affleck was ever really in contention. He's always been kind of like, well, it's interesting. He, he, uh, Reeves completely tab dance that tab dances around Affleck. So. Um, and I think that in doing that, it that is kind of proof positive that there is a doubt in terms of what Affleck's involvement is in the future of Batman. So I want to pose a question, and you know I've got a little bit of hate because I've I've asked this a few times. Because, and I, I I have to frame this because I like his movies, but why? You know I love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I War was. It wasn't as satisfying as Dawn was. I I like I I. Well, see, I had the opposite on that one. I liked War more. I like Dawn. I I love Gary Oldman, so that I think that's where it edges it out a little bit. Gary Oldman is amazing. Mm -hmm. My my question has, and I've asked this a few to to a few people: is why is Matt Reeves the guy of all the of all the film? Like, and the only reason I ask is because I think there's someone out there. As talented as he is, right now, the guy that I kind of want to helm the picture is Chris McQuarrie. You know, you know, he's been knocking it out of the park. I finally got to see Mission Impossible Fallout. That feels like a Batman movie to me. But my question to you, and like this is no disrespect to him, you know, maybe you can, you know, maybe, you know, articulate it better than what a few people have articulated it. But why would he, why is he the guy? Because it just seems like he just popped out of the. He just popped. Ben Affleck's done. He just boom. He's done. Like what? He's done some great things, but it, to me, it doesn't. What I'm looking at would to me work better for, for like a Superman film. I guess. Uh, I think the well, the thing with Macquarie, I'll address that first. Is that Macquarie? I think is an exceptionally talented uh, filmmaker. I've actually been a fan since Way of the Gun. I absolutely love Way of the Gun. Um, and the thing with Macquarie, if you look at Mission Impossible Fallout, it felt like a Christopher Nolan film to me, like Mm -hmm. from top to bottom. And I think that's where the appeal comes in. Like, oh, he could do a Batman movie because, you know, we had those, we had three Nolan movies. It absolutely feels, I remember I saw the preview, uh, what did I see? A CinemaCon, I think before the movie had come out and they showed the whole, um, high sequence where he where they uh get sean harris and i remember the whole time like the music the editing everything i was like this is the dark knight like this is like i almost thought it was an homage to the dark knight um Mm -hmm. so mcquarrie has he's got great technical skill and he tells a good story but i hesitate to call mcquarrie like a visionary filmmaker i don't think that he is a refined stylistic filmmaker Um, he's also, he's kind of set in his ways in terms of like what he's going to do, what he wants to do. Uh, and he's gotten to that point. He's earned it. Uh, he's earned it to that point. Uh, Reeves, I think is somebody that definitely has a more stylistic visionary take than what you're going to get from a Macquarie. 
I don't think that Macquarie would also, I don't think that he's going to look at a, a Batman story and take it to the same depth as somebody like Reeves would. I think that Macquarie would make a good Batman film. It would be exciting. It would have you know action and stunts and all that other stuff. But I don't know that he would get to the core of Batman. And I think, you know, it's really, it's really about character and Macquarie's great with ensembles. He's proven that with usual suspects, even way of the gun is more of an ensemble film. Their mission impossible movies are ensemble films. Um, but I think with Reeves, he can dive deep into a character. Cause what do you think about? Well, besides you, cause you think about Gary Oldman, cause you're a huge fan, but huge fan of Gary people, Oldman. Most people, when they think of the apes films, uh, they think of Caesar. This mm-hmm. is the sole character. This is the one that it's about. This is what those films are about is Caesar. And Reeves was able to hone in on that. Sure. The other characters were interesting. They were great backup characters, Gary Oldman, Woody Harrelson, uh, everybody, uh, uh, Jason Clark, they added a lot of layers and textures to this film. They were like great support characters, but there's no question, no question at all that Caesar is the star of those films. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I was a WB exec looking at this, I'd be like, look what he did with Caesar. Think about what somebody like that could do for a character like Batman slash Bruce Wayne. You know, he's going to focus and he's already you know been very clear. Like, I want to tell a detective story with Batman that's dark, that's got all these layers to it. Um, to me, and he's proven that he can do that. I think that makes him a very, very exciting choice uh, to take on the Batman. And I'm, I'm actually very interested to see what he does. I feel like he's proven that he can do the action bits. But beyond that, he can really, really get in the heads of these characters and really kind of deep dive. Whereas somebody like Macquarie is going to give you kind of a more serviceable, cool superhero action play, uh, action movie. But I would rather see something that's a little more layered and intricate for the Batman. Uh, so that's that's why I, I feel uh, Reeves is a great choice. I think Denny Villeneuve would be a great choice for Batman. He's another one very similar to Reeves that I think he could he would give you something stylish. He would give you the action stuff because he can. You know, he can mm-hmm. deliver on that. He would also, you know, these are guys that I think would look at the character of Batman and get him. Um, I don't think McQuarrie gives a shit about getting Batman. And to be honest, I don't think McQuarrie has any interest in doing it because he has <laughs> kind of resigned himself from that, seeing like the toxic fanboy stuff that goes on, sadly, on Twitter and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you may think, well, that's just Twitter. It's just one venue. But sadly, Twitter is like this this minority voice that sweeps over the majority voice far too often mm-hmm. uh, and creates this really negative air. And I think that that's happened uh, to Macquarie as well. And even you know guys like James Mangold and stuff like that, you know, they're feeling the heat of and the pressure of like, well, why why do we want to do some fanboy movie? Like, like yeah, it could be cool. But why do I want to do that to like just deal with everybody's bullshit afterwards? You know, all these fans that just kind of go nuts and go crazy and, you know, threaten my life and threaten my family's life and tell them they're going to burn my house down because I I didn't talk about some aspect of Batman that they wanted to see in this film. You know, that's insane. And, and I don't blame them, to be honest. Right, with you. right. I agree 100 percent, 100 percent. And Reeves, I don't think he cares. He's like, I'm just gonna make my movie. I don't care what people say on Twitter. Like, he, he hardly goes on Twitter, anyways. You know, it's the guys that are more active. Those are the ones that, like, you know, they tend to crash and crash and burn over that stuff, and and understandably so to a point. You know, uh, and I even saw Macquarie. He went and uh, deleted all of his uh, tweets. 
like for years worth of tweets, which is really sad because he's was great on Twitter. He it was like a master class of filmmaking. Anybody that was, you know, looking to be a filmmaker or writer or any kind of storyteller for that matter, uh McCory would give like great information and great breakdowns. Um but, you know, kind of that toxic culture that's out there once again rears its ugly head and another one bites the dust. So but he's still on and he's you know he's still tweeting, but sadly those uh all those cool threads are are no no longer in existence. Hmm. I saw a lot of people say that they might also be interested to see Macquarie for like a Man of Steel sequel of some sort. Um, like you said already, maybe that wouldn't happen. But uh, looking to the future, do you think you would ever see a Man of Steel sequel of a top tier director like that? Either not necessarily Matt Reeves or Macquarie, but would you have a name that you'd like to see on that kind of a project? Ah uh, man, Man of Steel is tough. Um, I don't think Warner Brothers has as much faith, uh, in Superman right now. Um, you know, Man of Steel, it did well. It didn't do phenomenal. Um, BVS didn't do phenomenal. It, it did, it did well, didn't do phenomenal. Um, and Justice League was a flop. So that's three Superman movies not, with none of them performing, uh, above and beyond. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, you know? So you got to look at it from a studio perspective, uh, yeah, Henry Cavill's great. I think he's wonderful. I think he's an awesome Superman. I would love to see him again. But when you talk about prioritizing what's coming next, um, I think Superman is lower on the totem pole for that. I think that they're, you know, right now they're kind of like, well, let's see what we can do with, with others um, and see where we can get with that before we start, you know, fast tracking a fourth Superman movie uh, <laughs> that you know, is, is another flop for us, you know? And I think that's their, that's their fear. That's their business concern and it is show business. So it makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, I would love personally to see another man of steel movie, uh, another Superman movie. And the truth is I, I would, my dream director to come back on a man of steel movie would be Zack Snyder. It's not going to happen, but that's who I would love to see come back. I mean, could you imagine Snyder back where he began with Superman? I think he would, would be amazing. Um, in terms of other filmmakers, I mean, there's just, you know, you go through the, the bargain bin of, of A-listers. There's, I think just about anybody could do it, to be honest with you. I think Macquarie could do that. I think he could get it. But again, I don't know that Macquarie is that interested in a single character kind of opus. He really feels like somebody that likes to tackle these broader, bigger action piece films. I'm not sure that he's, uh, adept to that. I don't think that he's... He's really in uh, in any kind of mode to tackle that. But we'll see. We'll see what, you know, <laughs> a lot of things change when money starts getting thrown on the table and, you know, opportunity. Um, you know, sometimes these filmmakers, they use these big budget films as uh, bargaining chips. Like Michael Bay, you know, hey, I'll do another Transformers if you let me make Pain and Gain. You know, okay, I'll do one more. You let me make 13 hours. Like there's – sometimes that's uh, that's the means to an ends for them. Uh so we'll see. I don't know. What about you guys? Do you uh, guys have somebody that you want to see on a Superman film? It's such a hard character to tackle. And it it really, for me, it just all ends up who puts on, you know, the, the, the Superman suit. Because it seems like the negotiations between Warner Brothers and Henry Cavill, they're sort of at this impasse. They don't know what to do with them. It seems like they he wants more money and a little bit more control. I would love Macquarie to tackle that, but is he the guy for it? You know, I don't know. Like, I, 
like at this point, I'm more interested in seeing, you know, a McQuarrie tackle Green Lantern with Tom Cruise or Peter Jackson tackle Green Lantern. I do want to see another Superman film, but right now, you know, with, you know, what's going on with their, what's, you know, what they're leaving on the table. Um, I don't know. There's, there, ha- there isn't, you know, like, it's interesting because the character of Superman is hard to tackle. Just the character you're playing, you know, you're playing Clark, you know, in, in Metropolis, you have to play Clark, you know, you know, the farm boy, you got to play this alien, you know, the superhero alien. And, you know, that goes, you know, the same with, you know, directing that, like who, who, who could do it? You know, honestly, I would, I'd love to see Steven Spielberg take a crack at it. I feel like that would be cool. You know, you know, you know, I went, you know, he loves, you know, those kind of sort of period pieces, you know, back set in World War Two. However, I don't think that would like really work, you know, but I just, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's well, that's so the problem with Spielberg. I think Spielberg would he's he's one of those guys where he's like. He has always has an angle. That's his thing. That's right. why he dropped out of American Sniper. You know, it's like, well, I have an angle. And they're like, well, we don't we don't want an angle. This is the story we want to tell. He's like, all right, well, I'm out. You know, if he can't have his angle, if he can't, any he, he's earned it. I mean, if if he can't have his way, then you know, nobody's gonna, no studio's gonna tell him he can't do something. He's just gonna do what he wants to do. Right. Uh, that's kind of the problem too with Spielberg. It's the conundrum. He's an amazing filmmaker, but he's just gonna make what he wants to make. He has there is no you know, oh hey, you gotta operate in the DCEU. He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. You know, he's like <laughs> that. That's the guy he is. Like, yeah, uh, no, no, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna make my movie. They're like, well. Eh it's kind of you know that's what we're doing now and he's like yeah i don't want (laughs) to i don't think he would i don't think he would want to play he would want to play nice with that um he'd be a tough sell it it would take it would take a a filmmaker with a vision and a passion i think that's ultimately what you need for any of these characters is you need a filmmaker that has a passion and i know that word just gets thrown out there but ultimately somebody that really wants to dive into these characters to tell their story and to have some kind of uh, some kind of nostalgic factor or some kind of uh, connection that mm-hmm. makes them want to, to pursue it. And if they don't have it, then that's a problem, you know? And it's like, well, they're not the right, not the right person. Um, Brad Bird would, I mean, oh, coming man, off. Brad would be amazing. I love, I, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol is still my favorite of all the Mission Impossible films. I didn't care for much for Tomorrowland, but um, man, I would love to see Brad Bird return to to live action and superhero genre really feels like one he could nail. Um, and that, that's somebody that I feel like he can cross, you know, he can, he can jump genres easily. Um, I think Drew, Drew Goddard uh, would be a good choice, uh, but he's getting ready to do X-Force. So he's a little spoken for. Um, Maybe but... we'll see what happens with <laughs> X-Men. Maybe. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a, kind of a mess. How they clean that one up um Phoenix, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's exciting filmmakers out there you know that they can do it it doesn't always have to be names you know it could be somebody up and coming that's like hey hey you know they've shown promise uh they're just a tougher gamble you know that's something that people don't don't typically take into consideration is that you know they're like oh why don't we just give all these you know every different you know every different group every different person every different thing a chance to make these movies i'm like listen man it's called show business like this is a lot of money we're talking about here like you know anybody can fail on this stage but at the same time it's like 
you know, when you're making a decision like that to fund a hundred million dollar movie, you want to get somebody that can do the job, uh, right. not somebody like, well, maybe they can. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> you're not going to do Ugh. that. No. Um, so we, we've been getting some news like slowly percolating out about this Joker film. And at first when I heard about this like Elseworlds tale, you know, as as excited as I am for Joaquin Phoenix, I was like, really? Like, what's going to happen with Jared Leto's Joker? Is he going to be part of the Suicide Squad 2? Maybe he shows up in Gotham City Sirens. So I wasn't really like, and, you know, the, the the director, you know, Todd Phillips, you know, I love Starsky and Hutch and that first Hangover film. But other than that, there's really not, there hasn't been like a film that was like, yeah, this guy's perfect for it. You know, he really, he can deep dive into this character, you know, of who this Joker guy is, you know, and to me, like, I wasn't excited, but then you kind of hear like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is joining. And then like yesterday, Alec Baldwin joined the cast of, of the Joker. who's going to play Thomas Wayne. I was like, wow, that's like, now you got my attention. As well, Mark, I really like Mark Maron. I think he's a great choice for anything that he's doing. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the cast is definitely coming together for that film. So I think it's uh, it's an interesting project. Um, I really have no idea what the hell they're going to do with it, and I kind of love that. And uh, that's what kind of makes it a really fun project. And it also, you know, again, it, it relinquishes them from having to be beholden to a whole DCEU. They can just make their film, uh, and it can be... Just that one film. It doesn't. We just approach these films in a way too much, I think, where it's like, oh man, what about the next one? What about the next one? What about the next one? It's like, dude, what about this one? Can we just watch this one and see what happens? You know, before we like sign everybody to a multi-year contract deal, um, can we just make a make a, a film? Can we just make a cool movie? You know, it, is that okay with you? Um, you can still leave it. You know, you can make the film open-ended and do all kinds of stuff that, if like you wanted to continue, that's fine. But not everything has to be a setup with, you know, oh, hey, here's a foreshadowing thing and here's this and here's that. It's like, you don't have to do that, you know? Here's this end but, uh, thing at the end of the Joker, you know, here's Alfred <laughs> or like walking through the Batcave or something weird like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, so with, you know, the Baldwin casting, were you, are you more excited or were you kind of like, ooh, this is kind of like an interesting idea. Here's an interesting you know, project for Warner Brothers, you know, what, what do you think I'm of this? Just, I'm just intrigued. I'm just intrigued more than anything. I'm intrigued that they're even doing it, that it's being made. I'm even more intrigued, really, that Joaquin Phoenix is actually doing the film. I think a big reason he's doing it um, is because he doesn't have to sign like some multi-picture deal to play the Joker for like the next 10 years of his life. He's like, I just look, I'll do the one film. You know, he's not a guy. That's why the Doctor Strange thing fell apart, because he's like, that's just too much of a commitment for him. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be Doctor Strange forever. Um, and, and I think this is just it's one of those things like, oh, no, it'll just be a fun performance. It's a, it's a get for WB. It's a it's a get for Phillips. You know, like you have Joaquin Phoenix, you know, arguably one of the best actors working today that can play crazy pretty damn well. So, you know, he, he could be he could do anything, too. He's again, he doesn't have to, like, mimic Jared Leto's Joker or any other Joker that came before. He can just kind of create his own thing. And that's pretty awesome. So I'm intrigued as hell. I can't, I look forward to, to seeing what they do and how it all comes together. Birds of Prey, Gotham City Sirens, are you interested in those films? We're kind of like, we'll wait and see if it actually happens. Uh, 
I'm <laughs> I can't say I'm I'm like over the moon excited. Um uh, it's it's kind of I guess the downfall of having uh not named directors on your projects. Uh it could go either way. So you know, I, I will say this, like when the Russo brothers were announced to do Captain America Winter Soldier, I was like, oh, my God, Marvel, what are you doing? Like, who are these These like guys that did community are going to take on my favorite, you know, modern Marvel character, the Winter Soldier, the story that I can't believe they're actually doing. I'm so excited. And it's the Russo brothers. And then I saw the movie and it blew me out of the theater. It was freaking amazing. Uh, and it's my favorite MCU film to this day. And I'm just like, man, that was just badass. I never would have expected that, you know, the Russo brothers would come out and kind of redefine, you know, the action in these films. I just thought I was amazed. So there's always potential that the, you know, new filmmakers can come and do that. And you know, really, we all win if that happens. But in terms of inspiring faith, it's not really there because there's not a lot to build on from there. You know, so it's kind of like wait and see. Uh, I will say I do – I love um, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. I, I'm a big Harley Quinn fan. I think she's a, a really fun character to explore. Um, I don't know that I'm, – I'm not really that excited about the other Birds of Prey characters. Um, they just uh, – you know, Black Canary, she's okay. She screams a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, what's her face? I can't even remember the, the purple girl. Oh, shit. What's her name? You guys know. Come on. Entrantress? No, not the other one. Oh, what's her name? The vigilante chick. I can't remember her name to save I my life. I can't remember her but name right now either. But there's, but there's Huntress. That's it. It's Huntress. Yes, oh, there okay. Like, I mean, look how long it took me to even think of who she was. Like, it's just, you know, there's, they're kind of like not really that inspiring characters. Um, Harley Quinn is cool. Uh, but the other's like, eh, okay. We'll see what they do. But I mean, really, like, who's excited to see Black Canary do her screeching power? Like, it's just not like one of those things like oh i can't wait to see that and you know hunter she's gonna twirl a stick and kick people in the face which isn't exactly that inspiring either you know harley quinn is interesting because she's crazy you know and she's a little more inventive and creative in the things that she does and then at the same time you see these moments of levity with her she's a complex character the others not so much so i guess we'll see what they do um but i'm not like over the moon uh excited for i mean it's gonna happen they're gonna make it i'm kind of more interested in the possibility of a live action black mask Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, like, uh, yeah, so, you know, that's something that, that could be interesting. And, you know, depending on who they casting, somebody somebody suggested like Vigo Mortensen. I think that would be cool to have Vigo Mortensen as Black Mask. I don't know. Was that you? <laughs> Maybe that was you. Maybe it was you then. I thought that, I thought that was a cool suggestion, man. So I'd be down with that. I'd be down for Vigo. Another another possible because we like to do like fan casts every once in a while. I'm a huge fan of The Shield and Walton Goggins. I think he'd yeah. be amazing as Black Mask. If you ever, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen The Shield. If you haven't, I highly recommend. I, I, I liked him on Justified more than anything. I, oh yeah, he was uh, good he there. Was amazing. Yeah, he's he's good in oh, everything. He's, he's like, great in any Quentin Tarantino film too. So, um, but not is, so much Ant Man and the Wasp, but I don't blame him for that. Yeah, I don't. You know, yeah, you know, as a boy. Yeah, yeah. Is this a win-win for Warner Brothers when they ca when they cast a director that's unknown? Because there's no, there's zero expectation for this to really work. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's that's the thing. We all win if it turns out to be great. Then cool, you know, awesome. Um, and then we'll go see that. So, but 
Otherwise, I don't know, man. It's it's a tough. It's so tough. I, I mean, of all the DC projects that are out there, like Birds of Prey would be low priority for me. Um, but, you know, there's this whole, you know, the, I mean, just the way it is, there's like a progressive movement in superheroes too, which I, I think is, I guess it's nice for some. I feel like it's kind of a step backward in many ways too, because we're just, we're making certain superhero films to to fill a demographic and to make, to appease them, I guess, to to a point I, I i just until birds of prey was announced i didn't hear anybody crying for it and then it was oh we're making birds of prey I'm like oh okay cool we'll see what happens um which doesn't mean you got to make all male dominated superheroes either but you know it's like really think about what you want to see why not just make a harley quinn solo film and just throw some you know other superheroes in there i think i would rather see that personally i'd rather see more of her like that's really who i want to see you know um they could have just made harley and ivy yeah, I mean something. I don't know. Like, but I I think she has enough, you know, clout to stand in on her own. And you could even just have, just be Harley and the Joker. I know they were talking about doing that for a while too. So there's so many things being thrown, <laughs> stuck to the wall, and then flopping off like those little <laughs> like slimy things that you buy in vending machines. That's what I feel like is happening a lot at Warner Brothers sometimes. You know, they're just kind of tossing shit over there, and they're like, eh, you know. It's like reminds me of like oh. Billy Madison when they're the pickles drip down and they're trying to see which project they choose is the pickle that lands first. Oh, so like, oh. Right. you're killing me here. <laughs> so accurate, it hurts. Like, oh. oh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have night terrors over this. <laughs> oh. um, but I will say this: uh, of the next three, there the next three uh, DC films that are coming out, I am very excited for. Um, I am beyond pumped for Aquaman. I cannot wait for that. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Shazam. I think Shazam is just going to be a blast. It's be totally fun, and I think have it's not going to be quite as uh, goofy and silly as it as the trailer may portray it. But that's how they're trying to sell it, which is big superhero, big. Um, but there's a lot more involved, and it's got all the the uh, allure of the the Jeff Johns run uh, in the New Fifty Two, which is what they drew heavily from. Uh, and then Wonder Woman 84, there's some great surprises in store for you guys there. I can't say shit about it, but it's going to be cool. <laughs> there's oh, definitely Lord. some cool stuff on there that uh, people don't have any clue about uh, as of yet. And it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for it. So it's going to be good. I, I have I have very high hope. Yeah, I, I, I could tell you guys things I'm not going to. It would be very bad <laughs> for me professionally as well. <laughs> don't but, spoil um, it. All, all I'll say is there's reason to be excited uh, and you're not getting more of the same. So that's as far as I can go on that one. But uh, for Aquaman, uh, lots of cool stuff. I actually just sent Jimmy O uh, what's today? Tuesday, yesterday to a edit bay visit for Aquaman in L.A. I was supposed to go, but I couldn't. Uh, I had company visiting and I couldn't make it. But, um, you know, I was on the set and then I had Jimmy O go to the edit bay visit. And I still haven't talked to him yet to find out uh, everything that he saw, but I'm sure it's awesome because everything I've seen so far has been, badass, especially that Comic-Con only trailer was right, right. Mind, mind blowing. I, I agree. <laughs> so my last little thing, made is, my... go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I apologize. Oh no, I just, I just said that made my Comic-Con was that, that trailer. That trailer but, was amazing. You... Yeah. Were you guys both there? No, we were not there. I was, you know, gearing up for job interviews, 
to be a teacher and Kyle is in Michigan and I'm in Texas. Uh, okay, so. so you guys so you guys saw the one trailer, but you haven't seen the Comic Con only. I no, no, we haven't, haven't seen, seen the the big one yet. Yeah. That one is yeah. Like the, the I think the one they put out was it was good, but the <laughs> doesn't touch the one that they played after, which I did not expect, and I didn't had no uh, prior knowledge to that coming. And then they played it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was like the cool stuff that gave me the 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 nerd goosebumps. So that made me quite happy. Anytime you get nerd goosebumps, that's a good day. That is, I mean, you were at Comic Con, so you should have already already had nerd goosebumps. <laughs> man it was so much work this year it's not even funny i had the smallest <laughs> crew ever and it was non-stop like boom 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 so there's fun to be had but man the simple truth is it's work for me i've never gone just to enjoy it and just to like hey i'm just gonna go here and do this i'm like oh shit what's next oh shit what's next oh my god i gotta go here i gotta do this <laughs> like non-stop so my my last little tip, and then we'll I, I don't know if Kyle has any more questions or anything left to say before we, you know we let you go. Like I said, we appreciate we're a little bit over what we what we said we'd have you on for. But I do want to say that Wonder Woman eighty four to me, there's this weird aura that surrounds that film. I don't know, like I try to explain it. It was kind of like the Dark Knight. You know, they cast this this you know Kristen Wiig who. You know, who's done amazing things and everything. She, like, she's been amazing in everything she's done, you know, from Saturday Night Live. You know, it was an unexpected casting. You know, you got uh, the guy from, I can never remember his name. He's the guy from Narcos. I love him. Um, uh, yeah. Um, um, oh, shit. My brain's freezing Pedro up Pesca right now. or something like that? Yes. Pedro that Pesca. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. We, we bring back, you know, Patty Jenkins. It, to me, it just feels like this is going to be her. Like the Dark Knight. I don't know. There's this weird aura that's just like surrounding this film. You no, know, even in like the the few you know stills that we've seen of One Woman '84, just like it's just like something I haven't seen since like 2006, 2007. I'm really looking forward to Woman Woman '84. Yes, I'm looking forward to Aquaman and Shazam. But for some reason, Wonder Woman '84 is just like, can we just get this movie like now? Like, can they just like hurry up? <laughs> Well, I can't say anything more, but I will say that I think you're justified in being excited for it. So awesome. I will say that. I can say that much. Kyle, any? Do you have anything? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I'm. I've been very satisfied with how this has been going so far. So where can we find you on Twitter and read all all your stuff? Just so we can get everyone who listens to this podcast, you know, to follow of course, you. Of course, of course. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Arctic Ninja Paul. Uh, you can catch me uh, sporadically on Joblo.com. Um, I'm the editor in chief, so I don't write the news every single day. I cure. I kind of curate the news. I share uh, whatever I send to my guys that I that I care about. Um, our guys they typically have free reign. They can write you know pretty much what they want or what they think is interesting, and then I kind of guide them from there. But uh, I kind of curate and share on my Twitter what I feel is relevant or cool news. Uh, so I don't share everything. And, you know, then I'll write, write news sometimes. I do uh, set visits, interviews, you know, event coverage, things like that. So I stay pretty, pretty busy. I also do my own podcast, The Beard and the Bald, with Chris Bumbray, who is a reviewer on uh, JoeBlow.com. So I'm out there. If you Google me, you'll find me. Yes, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> and, like, seriously, thank you so much. 
for joining us. We know you're in Alaska. We definitely appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, it's like, like seriously, it's, I, we've enjoyed it. So hopefully you, you have enjoyed it as much as we have. So. Yeah, man, it's uh, my pleasure. I appreciate you guys inviting me and having me out. I love talking geek stuff. Like that's what I do. It's what this is about. And, you know, I just love interacting with, uh, you know, people of, of the same ilk, you know, and I love, you know, positive people that are, you know, into this stuff that love it. You know, there's too many lines in the sand uh, in fandom. And it's nice, you know, when people are just just enjoying it, you know. So, you know, good for you guys. Keep doing it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. 